like if they carry a Correct. All right. All right, get your donuts, get your coffee, grab a seat. We also want you to have a handout and a Bible. So I'm going to pray. Kevin, maybe you can, or Tim, maybe you guys can help hand out Bibles to those that need it. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Someone will bring you one. And then, and then you want a, a handout. Christine's going to be handing out the handouts. We're going to pray, and, and then we'll get started. Okay, so you guys ready? You guys ready to get going? I'm ready, I think, but we need to pray for sure. So, all right, let's do it. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, as we prepare, as we get our handouts and as we get our Bibles, and our coffee and our donuts, Lord. And as we just prepare to come together around your word, God, we just want to make it clear that we are gathering in Jesus' name. Lord, we're separating ourselves from everything else going on just so we can meet with you together as your people and look into your word. And, and Lord, we confess to you that, God, we have the ability to waste the next hour daydreaming, to waste the next hour, uh, falling asleep, being distracted, focusing on everything that's wrong in our lives, everything that's wrong in the world. And God, we just ask you to help us to have a readiness of mind, like the Bible describes, to be able to hear from you this morning. So God, would you work in our hearts and minds right now so that we're actually intending and, and able to meet with you this morning? God, I thank you for, for, for the folks that, that are here, that are visitors, that are here for the first time. And I just ask you, please bless them, Lord, this morning. We love you. We thank you. And ask all these things in the uh, greatest name we know, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So my name is Chris. I'm the pastor of the Living Well class. Nice to meet you guys. Uh, one of the things that we want to do this morning, okay, is we want to take the things that we're learning and we want to actually be able to apply them to our situations. So I don't know what your situation is, but I know you got a situation. What we really need, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is we need God's word applied in our lives. We need his ways so we get his results. The reason we end up where we are, and sometimes we end up in a frustrating place, is because we've been doing things our way and not his way. So let's approach God's word as if it is actually the prescription for our disease, the solution to our problems, because it is. Okay, so this morning we are in week eight of an ongoing series, and I know you, some of you weren't here for the first seven weeks, but I, I do have a review sheet that's being handed out to you, which gives you some of the highlights from the last seven weeks, and really it's just phrases or main points or bullet points to really get that information, you're going to have to go back. But, but here's what I recommend for you is read through those things. 
And whatever jumps out at you, if you were here, remember it. I want to put you in remembrance of the things that we've already covered. If you weren't here and you're reading through the review and you're like, you know what? That's what God's been saying to me right there on that bullet point. Well, then you can go back and you can listen to those messages and get that information. I'm not going to go through the whole review because I don't want to re-preach everything. I mean, I actually kind of do want to re-preach everything, but you don't want me to re-preach everything because then I won't get around to preach on what we have this morning. This morning, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. We're switching gears a little bit this morning, which is why I gave you that whole page of review, okay? We're switching gears. We're, we're leaving 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 2, where we have been for seven weeks in our Onward Christian Soldier series, and we are moving to Ephesians chapter 6, okay? So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 20, where we're going to be spending the next few weeks as a class. And here's what we read. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you, may, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then Paul concludes with this. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly that I, to, to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so this is a familiar passage. If you've been around Christianity much, you've heard of the armor of God. This is our new focus, and this is what we're going to be looking at as a class. However, before we just jump in and start looking at the different pieces of armor, we need to get the context. We need to get the context of Ephesians chapter 6. The number one rule of Bible study is what? Context. You don't just open the Bible, take a verse, and then try to apply it without seeing what that verse means within its context. If I took a couple of words out of a conversation that we had out of context, and then I used, you wouldn't appreciate that, right? We, that wouldn't be courteous of me. So we don't want to do that. So today we're going to be doing two things. Today we're going to be getting an overview in terms of just getting the context of Ephesians chapter 6. And then we're going to be just getting an introduction to this armor of God idea. Okay, so in terms of Ephesians, in terms of getting the, the context, Ephesians has six chapters. The passage that we just read is in the last chapter of Ephesians, and it's kind of a concluding thing. All right, so the way the book, those six chapters, is outlined, chapters one through three, just in a word, we would say sit, okay, sit. 
Ephesians 2, 6 says, And he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you are born again, that is, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ in order to be right with God, because your sin had separated you from God, but if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you are now born again, trusting in him for your salvation, Paul says in the book of Ephesians, he teaches us that we are seated together in heavenly places. Your destiny as a son of God is complete. God has declared you righteous, even though, well, we're, we're not <laughs> in and of ourselves. But he gave us righteousness. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and we are in Christ. And that is the first chapters, one through three, describes that reality. Chapters 4 and 5. So chapters 1 through 3 was sit. Chapters 4 and 5 is walk. Okay. So Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I beg you, I implore you to walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. And over and over again in these two chapters, 4 and 5, we see how we should walk. Hey, are you a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, then this is how we should walk, right? Does that make sense? Because of this reality, this is how we should live. Brothers, sisters, how should we live as followers of Lord Jesus Christ? That's what these two chapters are talking about. And then chapter six, okay, stand. All right, so see, sit, walk, stand. That's the book of Ephesians. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In fact, if you turn back, okay, so we're, we're in Ephesians anyway. Just turn back a couple chapters. Chapter one is all about in Christ. The first verse talks about to the faithful, which are in Christ Jesus. Verse three talks about the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse four talks about being chosen in him over and over over in christ jesus in him in the lord we see that 11 times in that first chapter over and over and over again our positional reality is we are in christ because of that we should walk a certain way but that's not all because chapter six is the conclusion to this spiritual reality and this is what it says you have to stand against the devil this is not all there is to it. This is not all there is to it. You also have an enemy and he's out to get you. And you know that. Because in different ways, in different times of your lives, he's gotten you. And you've walked that path that he laid out for you. How'd that work out for us? Oh, Lord. <laughs> enough. God, enough. I'm done doing it my way. I now want to do it your way. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, sometimes we ignore this. We get this. We get this. And it's like, it's all good in Christ. It is. And I'm going to walk according to it. Okay, that's good. Praise the Lord. Go to that. And then all of a sudden you end up flat on your back. You've lost everything. Like, how did I get here? Yeah. We forgot chapter six. We forgot that part. We could... Say it this way, chapters one through three, sit in, in Christ, okay? We saw in Ephesians chapter one, 11 times, in Christ, in him, in the Lord. 
This is a positional reality. Chapters four and five, walk. This is Christ in us. Look at Ephesians chapter three, verse 17. This isn't a, a prayer that concludes the one section and introduces the next section. In, verse, uh, in, in, in Ephesians 3, 17, we read this. This is a prayer. Hey, I'm praying for you all that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. We spent three chapters saying you are in Christ and that positional awesome thing. But now here's my prayer that through faith, Christ might dwell in your hearts. This is us. This is Christ in us. Now, where are you going to go tomorrow? Hey, I'm going to go to my going to go to my workplace. Going to go. I'm going to talk to these people. I'm going to do. Okay, you're taking Christ with you. You take Christ with you into your program. You take Christ with you into the grocery store. You take Christ with you into your workplace. Christ in us. This is us being aware of his presence. When you go to the grocery store, is it you and Jesus going to the grocery store? Are you practicing the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence put it? Are you walking with him? I, my prayer is that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. The positional reality that we are in Christ should work out so that as we go about our day, we're taking Christ with us. And that makes a difference on what words come out of my mouth. Because Jesus is right there going, really? If I'm Lord, you're not saying that. If I'm Lord, you're not doing that. If I'm Lord, that's not your attitude. That's not your focus. Am I, am I dwelling in your heart by faith or not? <laughs> okay. This is awesome, guys. This is part of the mission. We are to go and shine forth the light and the love of Christ to people who desperately need it. God wants to use you to do that. Oh, but guess who's against all of it? The devil. We must defend what we have. This is why we're having an onward Christian soldier series. We're fighting a good fight, but we have an enemy. I hope that makes sense to you. What we see in this first section on your handout in terms of the positional reality is that we abide in Christ. It's a finished work. You know you can't lose your salvation, right? Because you didn't earn it. So you can't lose it. You trusted in Christ and you were born again. You're a new creature. That is a finished work. It's not clear yet what we're going to look like into alternative, but it's a done deal. You have been declared righteous and you can change that now you can live unrighteously you can grieve the spirit of god but but what we see here is this positional reality we also see in in the first three chapters of ephesians the mystery of the church age is revealed right okay so that's the that's it that's the first three chapters walk christ in us like we talked about this should be our practical reality so just like we abide, we live in Christ, chapters 1 through 3, he should abide in us, chapters 4 and 5. I'm in Christ, he's in me. Now listen, if you don't understand all this, you're like, that sounds good, but I don't understand any of it. Well, then you need discipled. You need to take discipleship too, where you learn to study the Bible for yourself. And we actually have a Bible Institute where I teach a lesson on the book of Ephesians. You could get all this. There, there is more to learn. This is just overview. We don't get it all right now. 
but it's awesome stuff. Change your life. So we abide in him. He abides in us. That's a positional reality, and it should be our practical reality. And then, you know, the, the, the Ephesians 4 and 5, if you study that out on your own, what you're going to see, it's all about our relationships. It's all about our, the, it, it growing within the local church structure that God has you in. That is the design on how we are to grow. God never designed it where you're a Lone Ranger Christian outside of relationships and all the hard work. Oh, my goodness. All the hard work that goes with maintaining relationships, the forgiving. You're going to have to forgive me. The forbearing. I'm going to have to forbear you. We're, we're going to have to get a... That's the structure that God gives us to grow and mature and then finally get to the point where we can tell others. And then finally, you know, on stand, we have an enemy who is actively, tirelessly, relentlessly, masterfully working to take you down. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to keep this from resulting in peace and joy and love in your life. And he's trying to, trying to prevent this, where you are being a part of leading others into the love of God and, and the life in Christ. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you out there in the world being a force for good, a kingdom agent translating people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He doesn't want you being used by God in this way. So he's going to work against you in this way to get you to fall. So we need the armor of God so that we can stand, we can protect this, and we can continue with this. You go to sleep every night. I mean, or you sleep during the day, but whatever. You, you go to sleep. Your enemy doesn't sleep. You don't know everything. He knows everything. You don't see things clearly spiritually. He sees things spiritually. You don't, we don't even know how we're wired physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. He knows. We don't understand all the implications of the fall of man. We don't understand the world, the devil, and the flesh, and how, how dark and, and, and how, how deep that is. He understands all that. And while you're sleeping, he's just sitting there masterfully, relentlessly, actively working, planting seeds to bring you down. And we're just like, oh, you know, going through life without our armor on. No wonder. No wonder sometimes we end up in a state of being defeated. Okay. So we have the necessary defense. We have the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses, you know, 10 through 20. Truth, righteousness, preparation to share the gospel, faith, salvation, and the word of God. These things in prayer are what we need to stand. Anyone here a soldier? Anyone here that was ever in the, in the military for a little bit? So, you know, I don't know about the military. I know that before you go into battle, you're going to gear up. Uh, I know my, my best thing would be sports. Like I played football. And before the game, you know, you had your bag, which is like this big. We're all, we all have our big, you know, because you got to get your shoulder pads and your thigh pads and your hip pads and your butt pad and your, and your 
helmet. You gotta get your cleats and your long socks that go off. Okay. But before the game, it's almost like a ritual. Like, okay, let's gear up, let's get ready to go. And you start putting on, you know, we put on our pads because we're about to go out. And I'll tell you what, in college football, there's some big, fast dudes. Uh, and you're going to go out and you're going to engage with them. You're going to run as fast as you can down the field, try to get that guy on the kick without your pads. So you got to gear up. So you put on, you know, it's kind of a rite of passage. It's you get, get ready to, to, and it's part. Okay, well, for us, we need to put on our armor daily. You know why? Because your enemy's just been waiting for you to wake up. He's planting thoughts in your heads and putting dreams in your sleep just to mess you up before you even open your eyes, to frustrate you, to discourage you, to depress you, to try to cause division in the body, speculation, doubts, fears. Why? Because he doesn't want this. Because he knows that if we just do this, we're not only have peace and joy and light and love, but we're going to be lights that shine in the world. And other people are going to see that. They're going to be drawn to that. And it's going to give you an open door for the gospel. The devil is actively against that. So we need to suit up. The armor has to be put on to be effective. I think that's a blank on your handout. That's our overview of Ephesians chapter 6. Okay. How awesome our positional and practical realities are. We must defend that against the enemy. You guys with me so far? Okay. All right. So let's move on to the whole armor of God. Okay. We want to talk about the whole armor of God. And that's kind of the topic for the rest of our morning. Then we're going to break up into small groups. The whole armor of God. And I've got whole underlined there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. It doesn't say put on the armor of God. Now, when God puts a word in the Bible, it's because he wants it there for a reason. Okay? Whole armor means you got to put on the whole thing. That's the emphasis here. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And this is what we need to understand, okay? A partial defense is practically the same as no defense against a masterful enemy. Okay, so we need to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Well, because just part of the armor of God, you're still in trouble. Had I put on all of my football pads, my gear, except my helmet, Am I ready to play football? The soldier, he puts on all his stuff, except he doesn't take his gun. Is he ready to go fight? No. Let's say he takes his gun, but he doesn't get his body armor. No, it takes the whole armor of God. Braden was a wrestler, and he wrestled in college. And one day we were just kind of wrestling around in the hallway. And he, he kind of got up and he... He reached up and he grabbed my, my uh, scapula, my shoulder blade on my back. And he goes, it's over. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I win. I said, you, no, you don't. He goes, oh, no, no. But if I get in this position, it's over. I win. I'm like, okay, show me. Sure enough, 
He's like, bump, pull. And I'm like, ah, I'm like falling over. The chess, the great chess masters, every once in a while they'll be playing chess and they'll get to the mid game. And all of a sudden the guy looks and he goes, ah, you win. There's still like 40 moves left, but they know that the one master saw an opening and he took it and that's it. The chess match is over. Why? Because a good opponent only needs one opening. A partial defense is practically the same as no defense against a masterful enemy. Okay, if you have all your armor on except for your helmet, all the enemy has to do is get you in the head. Okay, well, I've got all my armor on except for my breastplate. Okay, well, then it's just a shot in the chest and it's over. You see what I'm saying? Without the whole armor, it doesn't matter which piece you're missing. That's where the enemy attacks, and that's going to cause you to fall. And this is why the Bible says twice in two verses, take on the whole armor so that you can stand. And part of the problem for some of us is we don't, we don't have the whole armor. I know probably in the first time you've heard someone preach on the armor of God. You could probably, I, I know Kevin, you could list out the armor of God. I bet you've drawn the armor of God. Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. What's it mean to put on the whole armor of God? What's it mean practically? What's it look like for us to do this? Okay. I want to look at I don't, I don't want to have illustrations of illustrations of illustrations. That doesn't help. But, but I do, in terms of spiritual defense, I want to kind of look at another picture. There's a story in the Bible where, where King David, this was, this was right after he was made king of both the north and south kingdoms, Judah and the southern ten kingdoms. And, and so he goes to, a, to the Jebusites. He goes to the city called Jebus which became Jerusalem, and it was a walled fortress. And the Jebusites were up on the fortress, up on the top of their walls, and they're yelling down at David, and they're insulting him, and they're saying, you couldn't come in here unless you remove the lame and the blind. In other words, even the lame and blind people here could defend us against you. So David goes to his leaders, and he goes, hey, Whichever one of you gets up in there and, 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 and takes, gives us access into the city, removes the lame and the blind, I'll make a captain. Okay? I think it was Joab. He goes up through the gutter where the water supply was. Why? Well, he had an access point. He couldn't get past the walls, so he just found another entrance. He went in and took the city. And the Bible just says it that clearly. So Joab went up in the gutter and he did that and he was made captain. All they needed was an access point. Okay, so, well, for us, if we give the devil an access point, that's all he needs. He doesn't need a lot. He just needs one weakness. In, in, okay, so, so let's look at these verses. This is Isaiah 26, 1 and 2. Do you guys remember what the armor of God was? Have your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the pre preparation of the gospel of peace, okay? You have your shield of 
faith, helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, one of the parts of armor that we're going to be studying over the next few weeks is the helmet of salvation. Look at this verse. In that day, Isaiah 26, 1, shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Salvation will be a wall around our city. It will be a defense spiritually. Sounds like the armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation that you can stand. Okay. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Salvation's like a wall. There's gates where access is controlled and the righteous who keepeth the truth have access through this gate into the city. But the wall is going to keep out everyone else. What's the wall? Salvation. Well, you could preach the gospel right here. Have you entered into God's kingdom through the gate, through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, I'm the gate? Okay, anyway, but we're not doing that right now. Look at Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. I want to look at these two verses and build upon them to help us understand what it means to put on the armor of God. Okay, and this verse is going to be key. You have no rule over your own spirit. You're a city without walls. The enemy can come in whenever he wants. You cannot keep him out. You cannot stand. You cannot win the spiritual battle. Why? Because you've got no walls. So we need to figure out how this ruling over our own spirit and putting on the armor, how this works. And what I'd like to do is just talk about, instead of armor, we're going to be going through that one by one. But for now, I just want to look at it like cities and walls. Okay, so men are like cities in the Bible. You know this. Okay, look at this. Ye are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Men are, believers are likened unto a city. Okay, turn with me to Song of Songs or Song of Solomon in your Bible. The verses we looked at. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city. You're a city on the hill. There's other verses like that. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, I like to call it, chapter 8. You guys know about Song of Songs? Heard of it? Okay. It's a love song. It has, has, has uh, imagery relating to physical and emotional intimacy. So just throwing that out there. I think we have an adult audience, so I think we're okay. Verse 8 of chapter 8 says, We have a little sister, and she hath no breast. So while she is still young, what shall we do for our sister in the day when she shall be spoken for? Okay, so if she be a wall, verse 9, we will build upon her a palace of silver. And if she be a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. In other words, if this girl will grow up and through her adolescent years keep herself, she'll have a wall separating her 
from everything that's out there in the world and she keeps herself pure, then she will have a palace of silver built on that foundation, built on that wall. But if she's a door, she says yes to anyone and anything, okay, well then guess what? She'll be enclosed with boards of cedar. Verse 10, she says, I am a wall and my breasts are like towers. I am all grown up and I did keep myself. Then was I in his eyes as one that found favor. Okay, this gets, there's a lot of imagery here, so bear with me. Solomon had a vineyard. He led out the vineyard unto keepers and, and, and everyone for the fruit thereof was to bring a thousand pieces of silver. So, so Solomon, King Solomon had a thousand wives, okay, 700 concubines, 300 wives. He, he had a thousand women, which I don't quite understand how the wisest man that ever lived didn't realize after the first 999 that adding one more isn't going to do it, right? Like, come on. And he's the wisest of us all. He's wiser than you and me. Weird. Okay. But this is what the maiden says. Verse 12. My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. Solomon did what he did. He, but for me, verse 13, thou that dwellest in the gardens, the companions hearken unto thy voice and cause me to hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be thou like to a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of spices. Okay. Lots of imagery. I apologize uh, if, if that's all weird to you, but listen, the words vineyard in there, that means just some, some the vines that have been planted. The word garden means an enclosed, walled in, hedged about place. Yep, it's got walls. That's the difference. The maiden is saying, no, 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 no. I'm keeping the world out. This is a place for me and the one that loves me. Can I tell you, no one loves you like God loves you. No one else died for you while you were his enemy. No one else takes care of you, leads you, protects you, tries to redirect you into a better place. No one else loves you like God. The problem is this. We don't wall off our lives to make it a place that's habitable for him. O thou that dwellest in the gardens, the companions, hearken to thy voice. Cause me to hear it. God, I want to be one of those people who have a, a garden and not just a vineyard. I want to have walls around my life where I control access into what comes in and out of my life, what comes in and out of my mind. And God, more than anything, I want you to dwell in my heart by faith. But the enemy's trying to destroy that. So God, would you help us build the walls, control the gates? So this is what this is what we're talking about. We know that we abide in him and he abides in us. This is on your handout. We know he abide, we abide in him, positional. He abides in us, practical. 
but protecting this abode is necessary. And so putting on the whole armor or having a finished wall, so to speak, it's to have rule over our spirits in all areas. It's to have, or, or another way to say this, brothers and sisters, would, would be this. Have no unguarded access into or out of your life. Well, I couldn't help myself. Okay, city without walls. Good luck. Come back in another decade when you're ready to listen. Because that's what's going to happen. You're just going to have a wilderness experience for another 10 years until God finally gets your attention. And he says, you do have control. You can help it. You have a choice. But listen, you have to have walls around your city. You have to control access into and out of your life. So listen, whatever sorts of thoughts and images and imaginations, I don't let those things run wild and free in my mind. Is it true? Is it lovely? Is it? The Bible tells you what to think about. The Bible tells you to cast down imaginations and high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You, Okay, so, so the old-time preachers used to say it this way. You can't keep the birds from flying in the barn, but you can keep them from making a nest there. You can't actually keep unbiblical thoughts from coming in your mind. We're just... We're not wired, like we're kind of wired for unbiblical things. That's the world, the world, the devil, and the flesh. But you can keep that bird from building a nest there. You can tear down strongholds that are already there. Addictions, fantasies, pride, lust, greed, malice, anger, grudges. You don't just let those things be in your life. You don't just let yourself become a victim to unbiblical thinking. What we do is we control access into our minds. So an unbiblical thought comes into your mind, and you're like, oh, I can't believe that that thought would come in my mind. I'm such a loser. <laughs> like, I'm a spiritual bum. I'm a... Now, listen, you can't control thoughts that may or may not come into your mind. What you can do is say no to that. Get out of my mind. Christ dwells in my heart by faith. You do not get unlimited, unfettered, free access into my mind. That is controlled with a gate. And I know what the Bible says, okay, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I know what it says in Ephesians chapter 6. I know what it says in Philippians chapter 3. Therefore, I am not going to entertain these thoughts. And you control access to that gate. You control what comes in to your mind, what comes into your heart, what comes into your life. Make sense? You have a walled city and you have rule over your own spirit. Okay, we also control what comes out of our lives. That attitude, those words, it doesn't get out except it goes through a controlled gate. I have rule over my own spirit. There's gates in the wall. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1. Salvation shall be a wall. And there's a gate and the righteous can come through according to the truth. Salvation, put on the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. Gird your loins with what? Truth, truth, righteousness, salvation. 
we okay so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the armor of god but what we're really doing class is we're learning how to have rule over our own spirits by what we allow to come in and out through the different gates or through the armor okay proverbs 16 32 you have more insight now into what this verse means than you did before we started class. Here's what it says. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh a city. Okay, city on a hill. Okay. You know who's trying to take our city? The devil. You know what we need to do? We need to rule our own spirits according to what the word of god says that's why you have to know what the bible says because you have to be able to have the right gates in your wall so you can know what is supposed to come in and out of your life you have to know what truth says there's a lot of voices speaking to you some of them are experts who would call themselves authorities tell you what to believe the bible needs to tell us what to believe the bible does tell us what to believe so, you guys see that? You guys with me? Our gates are guarded by the armor of God. We're going to spend the next few weeks going over the armor of God piece by piece so that you can know how to put it on, so you can live accordingly, so you can stand against the enemy, so that your position in Christ, the joy, the peace, the love, none of that's stolen away. And your walk, Christ in you, the practice of the presence of God as you go, that's not ruined. That's not killed, stolen, or destroyed by the devil. We'll guard our gates with the armor of God. So we have to beware. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to break into small groups, make sure the gospel is covered if, 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 if we need to. But then also, um, what about the armor? How are you doing? Is your life a city with walls? Do you know what the gates are? Here's one thing that could be talked about in our small groups. Beware of hot topics. You know, I just, I do great until I have to talk about the budget with my wife. Ah, ah, all of a sudden my wall is just broken down. Watch out for hot topics. Man, we were having just a great small group until Will brought up politics. Okay, you, hey, that wall doesn't come down when one of your hot, hot topic buttons is pushed. You know what I'm talking about? You guys got them. Watch out for the hot topics. Your passionate preference doesn't, doesn't mean you get to be a city that's broken down without walls. We, we have to maintain that. Otherwise, all the devil has to do is get someone to start talking about politics and you'll never share the gospel with them. Beware of PTSD. Man, that place where you just can't go, it's overwhelming and incapacitating. Well, okay, you're not ready for that yet. So, But listen, it doesn't get to be a point where your walls are torn down and your gates are destroyed. Maybe that gate's locked for a minute. Okay. Watch out for an attitude of entitlement. Well, I don't have to control my own spirit because I've been mistreated and now I'm justified in sin. No, you're not. 
be watch out for those things that would prevent us. So maybe we can talk through some of those things in our small groups, but we're, I'm going to pray. We have a small group back here. You ladies can be a small group. Let's do a, uh, let's do a small group up here. Okay. Then we'll have a small group there and maybe Tim, you can come up here. So you guys can be a group. I'll join you guys. We'll have three small groups with the men and one with the ladies. I'll pray. And then if you need another donut or coffee, grab that. But then in, in small groups, if you don't want to share, you don't have to. You can just sit there and nod or whatever. That's fine. Okay. And then Will. Um, and then who else is on there? Phyllis, Scott, Marla, Will. You guys are the Zoombies. You are the Zoom small group. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you give us what we need to stand against the devil. And God, here we are. We will readily admit there's times in our lives where we didn't have our armor on. We didn't have our walls up and it seemed like the devil just had his way in our lives and we ended up in a bad place. And God, we don't want that anymore. So Father, help us to, to rule over our own spirits according to your word. And some of us, Lord, we need to just work through what that means. Some of us need to learn what the Bible says so that we can have the right gates in our wall and, and control what comes in and out of our lives according to the truth of your word.